0: Hello and welcome to our seventh week of discussing the four groups that Agumar and Sota says will not merit uh, greeting the Divine Presence and Rabbi Yonah's elaboration of them along with how other halachic authorities discussed those uh, groups and those types. So last time we saw Rabbi Yonah discuss those who were um, lying for the purposes of personal gain. This time he's going to introduce us to other kinds of liars. So his fourth group is, and this is paragraph uh, 181 in the third Shara of of you Somebody who is Meshaker lies, tells it wrong, when it comes to telling stories that he hadn't heard, that he doesn't know, he doesn't know the truth, but he's changing some of the details. I'm sorry, he, he knows the truth. This is what he heard, and this is what he tells. And he changed some of the details, but he doesn't get anything out of the change, and, and nobody gets hurt by the change, right? There were times, last time we spoke about, where either the person telling the story gets a benefit of some sort, or it hurts somebody else, and that's what he's doing in that situation. Here, neither of those are true. Aval, <inaudible> this is aval ko mishpato, me'avato sheker midaber It's just that this person enjoys when you, when you don't tell the truth. They're, they're, he, he gets a pleasure out of it he gets a, a thrill out of changing things and sometimes you make up the whole story and there's a pleasure in that and convincing people of things and telling people things that aren't true and then and you get a thrill out of like telling them that and, the, and then Ra says and this person on the one hand is better than the other people we talked about last week because nobody hurt nobody gets hurt it's just untrue things nobody gets hurt. On the other hand, remember this is this is a category four out of nine. In Rabbeiniona's world, this is relatively far down, but his point is that despite it being far down, there is a huge downside. It's, first of all, the brazenness of it, right? The person just gets used to the idea they can get away with it. You see this portrayed in movies, things like that, con men, right? They enjoy the idea they can get away with stuff, even when they're not going to benefit from it. And then also there's this love of falsehood, and that's a problem, right? The love of falsehood is a problem because so maybe there's a passage in Mishle that, that he quotes from Mishle Vav Yutet, chapter 6, verse 19, et shaker. meaning if that a person, this is what Ben says, if you see a person who just tells false things in his talk and when he's telling stories and it doesn't matter to anybody, you know, or you should know, that that at some point that person will lie in a way that will also bring him financial gain. Because the point is, this is a person who has this character trait, likes this the, the world in which the truth isn't so important. And so, uh, so and then now, so that's step one of this fourth category: the love of lies, the being involvement in a lie, just telling you that they're not true. For no gain, for no purpose, except that it entrenches a world where truth doesn't matter that much, right? And that's a big problem is what Vinayona is telling us. A world where truth doesn't matter so much is a huge problem, okay? I want to say that again because I'm not sure we all understand it. A world where truth doesn't matter so much is a huge problem. On the other hand, Vinayona introduces something that will take us several years to unpack to figure out. He says there are, however, times when this is permissible. Then Chazal allowed it for, for keeping certain mitzvos or for producing peace. So sometimes not telling the truth is the more immediate path to peace, even though truth is this overall value. So the examples of the key quotes are there's a Gavarian Kutubot that says we sing this a lot, there's songs about it. The Beit Hillel told us that at a wedding the crowd should and may and can praise the Kalah in ways that may not be li- uh, directly true. The, the, it's which is that every kala, every bride, has something that is worth praising. And that's what Rabbi be- be- said the people there should do. They should focus on finding that which is praiseworthy. And Behi said, no, you say Kala and, and it seems that what behilel means is that since everybody praises kalot that way, then if we don't praise this color that way the person will be sensitive to it. So that's the debate between Beit Hillel, and we tend to follow Beit Hillel. Rebid says, you see that for that purpose, to to create peace and enjoyment and happiness, with no real downside to it, other than the loss of connection to truth, that is a place that we do it. Another example that Rebid gives is Gamar Yivamot says, that you're allowed to be mishanet because of divrei shalom, to make peace. It happens to me that I'm, Taping this the week of Vayera when Hashem is one of the examples. Right? Hashem is giving the example because when Sarah laughs, she says, how can I have children when my husband is old? And Hashem changes it to when with it she said, when I am old. So that's an example of being mishana because of Shalom. And another example that Yonah gives is from the end of Brishit. After Yaakov passes away, Yosef's brothers send him a message. And they say your father commanded before he passed away to tell Yosef that you should, you Yosef should forgive us for what we did to you when we sold you into slavery. The, when Reynionus says that he's understanding what I mean, that it wasn't true. That in fact, Yaakov Avinu had not said that. And yet they were allowed to do it. Now you could tell me that there, that maybe there's a self-serving purpose there because they're trying to gain the advantage of not getting killed by their powerful brother. Or punished in some other way by their powerful brother. I hear that, but that is the that is those are two steps that we'll have to follow up on in coming weeks. And when we try to figure out when we try to um when we try to untie the knot of knowing when it's allowed, when it's not allowed, to change the truth, to completely lie, whatever it is, while keeping that, that broader idea in mind that lying is not good. Um he says there are people, Veniona says, there are people who will who will just not pay attention to the truth and they'll change details without knowing they did it because because when they were hearing the original time, I'm going to tell you a story or I was watching an event I just don't remember it well, I don't bother to remember it well and the radio owner says Gam zot that's also a bad character trait in other words, it's interesting because in our times, you have all these studies about what percentages of people remember things correctly or not correctly and how few people remember incidents they saw correctly or remember stories they were told correctly and they change details without realizing that remembering it. Benino believes, he may have believed all of it. He certainly believes at least some of it stems from a lack of concern and a lack of paying attention. If we know that if we're going to tell this story to anybody else later, we have to know the details or know when to say, I don't remember that, this is what I remember. So that's a, that's a standard, and Riniona is saying that that standard starts with being concerned with it. It starts with being concerned with making sure that what we say is the truth. And a lot of people don't have that, but that's what he's saying. And then he, he quotes Shlomo Melch again from Mishlei, V'i Shomea right, so he says what that means is a person who makes, uh, makes sure, who pays attention to following and to listening carefully so that he captures everything and remembers it well in order that he can tell it well when he repeats it to other people, that person will not find themselves saying things that are untrue. And lanetzap there people will want to, let that mean like forever that person will speak. When you know what it means, it means that people will get used to that or will appreciate that. Since they appreciate it, they'll come back to hear him more. And whereas the other, whether it's people who don't say the right thing, people will say to them, why do you keep talking so much? And as I read this, and I, I think truth, I, I am open about this. I think truth is a, a, a significant difficulty in our times. It's true in politics. It's true, unfortunately, in the Jewish world. It's true, I mean, it struck me many, many years ago. I remember hearing about a rabbi, somebody, a young rabbi, and somebody said to this young rabbi, you know, you're too honest to be a rabbi, which is a, may not be a true statement, but it's a terrible thing that people think that way about it. The idea that that rabbis would be known to bend the truth. Uh, There were years where I would scratch my head. I would be at some event and then I would hear a rabbi talk about the event and say, and there were, you know, I was at an event, let's say, and I thought there were 5,000 people there. And the rabbi would say, and there were 50,000 people there. I'm not saying it's all rabbis by far, but there are such rabbis. And that question of, and so we've said before, part of the challenge is that we know that rabbis have the right, anybody has the right to change the truth for shalom purpose, for creating peace purposes for furthering certain good causes, as we'll see in the weeks to come. But that leads out some of the challenge here. But Yona is of the belief, and this too is a, cha- is a part of our challenge today as a society, that maybe doesn't value truth as much as we once did. If we come to know and to believe that a person doesn't tell the truth and exaggerates and lies and you know the whole range of ways of bending or misshaping the truth, would that be a person that we would say to them, Lama te odu Ode oh which we assumes will happen. Is that a person that we will say to that person, why do you keep talking? Just stop talking. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I feel like uh, there are many people in the world today who if somebody is saying the things they want to hear, the fact that, that person otherwise lies uh, over and over again is not something that people will care about. They'll just say, okay, that's what they do. Big challenge. So that's, the fourth stage, right? Reniona from Mishlei, just because we quoted Psych of Mishle, Rayana has a wonderful commentary on Mishlei, which echoes many of his things, of his comments in Shari Tshuva and his comments in Pirke Avo. Reniona Mishle talks about Mosma Mirma. A Person has has deceitful measures. Now we usually think that deceitful measures the problem is that you're going to cheat people in business and you're selling, let's say, food. If I have a measurement that weighs uh, that weighs nine-tenths of a pound. As if it's a pound, every time I sell a pound of apples, I'm cheating. But Rabbi Niona says, it's a problem even before I use them. He says, yota since they're ready to help the seller, the, the the person who owns the weights and measures to sell them to do things falsely, they're already to avat Hashem. They're already an abomination to Hashem, which was the verse it said. Even though the owners have not yet cheated anybody with them, and then he says, <laughs> "All the more so if somebody gets used to speaking falsely, and even if it doesn't hurt anybody, because it's ready. You're practicing, right? You know, you have people who don't lie very often, and then mm-hmm. let's say one time they get they, they succumb to the temptation, they decide mm-hmm. they're going to lie about whatever topic it may be." But if they're not used to it, and they're not practiced at it, they're not going to be good at it. Whereas if people, these people who practice their lies and are adept at it and have honed their skills, well, they're going to be ready. And so Rebidiona is likening that, is, compar- is, is, is noticing the similarity between the uh, distaste the verse expresses for owning false weights. And measures. The false weights themselves are an abomination even before they're used. And they're a problem before they are used because they're ready to be used, and that already that 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 already shapes society in a certain way in the sense that that we don't have a dedication to doing the right and having honest weights and measures and those kinds of things. We don't have any of that in that society. We have some people already. It's like this: some people will already be cheating others, and some people are not yet cheating others. So that's. Read saying the same thing is true of people who lie about unimportant things and, and, and details that don't affect anybody, but they're, they're, they're putting together their ability to lie for other purposes as well. Uh, and, it, and it'll come in place so he'll say they're ready to do it to support lies. they'll do it in a place where it'll, it will support people who steal from other people. and then this person will come in and say, "Oh they didn't steal." Or they'll fail to speak up in favor of the person who actually should win a court case because they're already enveloped in their lying culture. And Beniona says the more used to something we get, the more that it becomes used, accustomed to us. And we, we, he says, What we're used to is what we do. Right? it's the power of habit, as they say in our times. And therefore, if the person gets used to just telling the story about the ball game I was watching last night, and nobody really cares, and I tell you LeBron had fifty, and he really only had twenty-two, and I tell you he did this amazing windmill dunk or whatever it is, I say, and that's not true, not hurting anybody. And you could say, well, you're hurting LeBron's rotation, or you're helping LeBron's rotation unfairly. It's not true because I'm a nobody in basketball. Nobody cares what I think in basketball. Maybe a nobody in general, but it's certainly in basketball, nobody cares what I think. So I'm not hurting anything, but I'm hurting me. And I'm laying the groundwork for being the kind of a person to whom truth is not important. So that's that's I think a huge category. That's the category of lies where there's nothing demonstrably, identifiably wrong in the original lie itself, but it's wrong nonetheless because of all these things. Now, there in Mishnah that we just read, we just thought about Yon in Mishnah. The the on the computer that I use on the Barilan program, they have the footnotes on this edition of the Mishneh, this edition of Mishneh of Rabiniana's Commentary on Mishnah, which has nice footnotes as well. And the footnotes say that the Uraim, the Uraim is a student of Rabinu Tam and he's going to present a different perspective and he, so he's living before Rabiniana. Rabiniana lives in the 1200s, the Yireim lives in the 1100s I believe. And he wrote Shekashenu Bali de Ra'a if nothing bad comes out of the lie, lo Torah Allah. The Torah did not warn against, we'll have to do this in coming weeks, because it's not so clear that that's true, but it's clear that the Rebbeinah, perspective. And he says, it's you know, a Dabr the the you where the Torah talks about lying, you can learn from it, from its context, dechtiv, because the verse says, midvar sheker we have to stay far away from a matter of falsehood, so it sounds like it's prohibition on lying, then the one time I heard Nachama uh, Shalom speak, she was speaking about this idea that we don't stress enough that we, when we teach kids Mishpatim, the part of the Torah where this verse appears, we don't stress enough the importance of telling the truth. But the is pointing out at the end of that verse is when Akina don't kill somebody who should be in, in, innocent. And so therefore he thinks that that shows that the matter of lying is about lying in court cases, lying and getting a wrong verdict. And the this for the footnote tells us, the Sever Haredim was one of these Muslim books that teaches the right way to live. When it comes to the mitzvah, when he's listing the obligations that have to do with one's speech, um, he says, in the name of the Tashvitz, who was a, early, a late Rishon, there's a mitzvah to say, there's an obligation to speak the truth the mile even on regular things, where there's no monetary issue. Because it says, sounds like, even if it's just a matter of speaking, that the mis- that, that it's a problem. So you have a debate here. Reneona is on the side that falsehood is always a problem, or it's generally a problem if it's not one of the exceptional cases. And you the Ureim is saying, if it doesn't have any financial implications or other kinds of practical implications, it's not specifically prohibited. You have the Tashbits on Reneona's side, that when we say, we mean, stay away from it, even though it's not, uh, it, all it is, is a devour shekerism, a, is a word of falsehood, nonetheless. The footnotes point out also, the Gemara Sanhedrin says, number 92a, ki ki that somebody who lies like they're worshipping a power other than Hashem, because they don't think the truth is important, and Hashem cares about truth. Although and the footnote again says to to make to, to make peace, and if there's a mitzvah, and then gives us other footnotes, we'll have to get to some other sources. That's category number six. Category number seven. Now we're getting to a line where there's no, it's not nothing. There's no, it's not there's no ramification, which is interesting already because it means that Ravina. Put the category of lies with no ramifications, just lies for the sake of it or lies that I wasn't careful. He puts that ahead of this category, even though in this category, somebody's going to be hurt. They're not going to be directly hurt. They're going to lose an opportunity, but they're going to be hurt. What's that category? person misleads another person, another Jew, to say that I already did you a favor or that I spoke well for you. I've done this, not falsely. But there are times when somebody's in trouble and you want to say, I tried to help you out and I did this and this that I, that I hope helped you out. So I was trying to get you the job. I was trying to get you not fired from the job. So you tell the person I spoke to them and I told them they shouldn't fire you. Let's say. Brady Owen is talking about where people might say that even though it's not true. So you have somebody who's getting fired, a beloved figure, they're getting fired from a job. The community, wherever their constituents are are, are saying they're upset about it. But let's say some percentage of them while they're maybe upset about it, are not willing to put their own necks on the line to speak to whoever is the powerful people are in that community, but they want the person to know that they did it. They go back to that person, they say, oh, I spoke to so-and-so, I did so-and-so, and you didn't do it. And he quotes a good cool in Chulin on 94b, which says, We're not allowed to mislead people. Even non so that's misleading them and thinking you did well. That's what understanding. Misleading them, thinking you did well by them, all of that. The, and, he, and he says on that topic, he says, speaking falsely to a non-Jew, telling a non-Jew that you did something on their behalf when you didn't, Right, misleading them in that way, says, the Kazan say, yeah, that was more serious than even stealing from them because Svat Sheker speaking falsely, is an maabba is a great guilt and it's a it's a, 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 it's a crime against truth and that's one of the supposed to be one of the foundations of our bodies, one of the foundations of our societies, and the person's violating it. The ninth type, moving on from there, mishimishta Beya somebody who claims to have qualities they don't actually have. So it says in Mishlay seventeen, though not still spot yet there. People who are not well developed, like in Aval, who are who are not just not fine, not well grown, not well um uh, raised people, if they speak too much, then they'll show themselves and Avkin indeed Svat Shekhar. So too with the generous lying about it. That's the example of lying. So I say, oh, I gave, I don't know, $100,000 to Saka last year. But I actually gave $30,000. No real qualities of their own. Shouldn't be praising themselves based on what their forefathers did. And that's another verse. And so too a Nadiv can't falsely praise himself to say, this is what I did. Like I just said, this is what I gave out when he didn't. And that's a gina'i l'chol adam. It would be too bad for anybody, right? Claiming and, and presenting oneself as having done better things than one has actually done, that's bad for everybody because you're praising yourself for what you didn't do. And it's gonna and when, when we notice, when people, if we notice that somebody does that, mm-hmm. it shows that the whole motive of doing good, right? if, if I say I helped 15 old ladies across the street last week and I really only helped the one, at the, when people catch me in the lie, what's worse is not only the lie now, but it'll show that my whole goal in whatever I do good for other people is really just to have people think well of me, right? So that's a problem, too. I've just hurt myself in that way. I've, I've displayed a, a, a core flaw in my character. But I remember when the rabbi said in me in Eat. If people honor somebody else, right, and they give that person honor that's really worthy of giving somebody who's, let's say, finished two missal or knows two parts of the Gemara, and this person only knows one, he's gotta tell them. He's gotta say, I don't know too. You're treating me, you're you're doing the, you're you're being too nice to me, right? You're being too generous to me. And the Ravenion is quoting you Shami to say, that's also part of of not lying, of avoiding the lies that we've been talking about is making sure that we don't get, we don't praise ourselves for qualities we don't have, and we don't accept praise for qualities we don't have. It's all part about maintaining our sense of truth. And the ninth category is, uh, they don't tell lies about whatever they've heard, whatever they've seen or read, but when it comes to uh, issues of things that they want and they, it doesn't hurt anybody, then they'll change things. So, they, and they get, and they do it for the fun of it. They get a certain, like, thrill out of getting away with a lie, even though they get anything out of it, they're any money out of it. And the rabbi said that that's also prohibited because the verse in Yimeo talks about, in Bemones Jews who have limdu lishonam devar shaka. They've taught themselves. They've made it clear to themselves that they, um, they've made it clear to themselves and to other people that they focus on lies and things like that. And that's a problem. That's a challenge. And that's a a category of a problematic category. That's the ninth category. Then um, you know what? And I don't know why I got here. I misplaced it, but I skipped down. I mean, I'm sorry. I apologize. I misplaced it on the sheet in front of me. I was in the middle of four and then I jumped and I jumped and I skipped 5 and 6. So I jumped from 4 to 7, which was a mistake, right? So 7 was the one where where you mislead somebody that you did a favor for them. So I'm sorry, in there there should have been 5 and 6. 5 is so 4 was we person tells a story and and just gets up details, right? 5 is person tells somebody they're going to do a favor for them, going to give them a gift. But as they're doing, as they're saying that, they don't mean it. They know they're not going to. Right? While he's talking to him, he's not going to do that. Right? Oh, we'll get together and I'll take you, I'll show you all around. But he's not going to. Right? So that's a Pasaka. To guard your lips, your tongue, from evil, and your lips from speaking falsely or deceitfully. And the Gemara in 49A says. You got to make sure you're not speaking differently, than speaking insincerely. <laughs> if I'm if I commit to something and I'm saying something to somebody else, I, I I need to be committed in the moment, at least in the moment that I intend to do that, right? So the and it points out and, uh, Yushalmi Bab Metziah says that uh, that while we say that we say that a verbal commitment isn't always when we ha- absolutely have to keep. I make a verbal commitment and then it turns out, you know, I tell you, I'll pick you up tomorrow to take you to the doctor and then something comes up and I call you back and say, really sorry, something came up. That's not considered a breach of trust, of my trust. It's not considered reneging necessarily on a commitment because things happen. But that's only true if the person, when they said it, intended. So that's number five is they make claims, they make promises, they don't intend to keep. Number six is they make promises and that they lie in the sense that after they made the promise to do well by somebody else, and they made it as a promise. So it's not just they said, oh, I'll do it, and the other person trusted me, relied upon me, then that's gonna be similar to a lie if I don't keep it. Now, it's not a lie in the sense that we usually talk about lies, because when the person said it, they were honest, they meant it, When when they meant to keep it, just something came up, they couldn't keep it, but nonetheless, by virtue of being a promise, it is supposed to be true that a person, when they make a promise, does everything they can to stick to it, and that's a passage, That's a verse in Tefanya, in the third chapter. The remnants of the Jewish people don't uh, do wrong things, they don't speak falsely, and you don't find trick, trickery words in their mouths. And let's say I'm going to give my friend a minimal gift. I'll lend him my car, right? Even though I don't say as a promise. Nonetheless, if I made that, if I, I committed to a gift and the assumption is that nothing major comes back, comes, comes and gets in the way, I'm supposed to keep to it. I can't just say, no, no, I just said it, I didn't mean it. Or I meant it, but I've just changed my mind. It's not supposed to happen because if I commit to something that the other person cares about, now, if I commit something nobody cares, that's a different category. And then I can change or not change what Rubinione is talking about that you might think that, well, it's a minimal gift and who cares. The answer is no. If the other person relied on it and, and cared about it, and that cared about it, cared about it, but like if they were happy about it, then it's already wrong of the person to backtrack and to do it. In this group, Romino also includes if somebody makes a promise in public to give a certain amount of money to a cause, and it looks like, like they're planning to get accolades for it, then they shouldn't change it because after they got the accolades, they can't go back, right? And that another public commission denigrates people like that. You have people who make these big public commitments and they, they either can't or don't follow through on them. And that's a challenge. So if anyone says, Kemoshi that's the verse of the Mishnah that you know, like, it's like when there's big wind and you think that the rain going to come and going to fill the reservoirs. If it doesn't come. It's disappointing. So, too, a person makes a whole big stink about how much money they're going to give to a cause. The cause is all exciting that I actually know somebody who was starting a new Jewish organization. He told the story in public. I didn't actually hear from him. I heard it from somebody who heard it from him. So he started this new organization and he decided at the time, it was a long time ago, he did a million dollars to be able to get it off the ground. And he approached somebody we thought would be one of his big donors. And he said to him, I'd like to approach you about this cause. The man says, How much do you need? He said, A million dollars. And the guy says, Okay, I'll give it to you. So, no, the, the person starting the organization is very excited. He puts everything in place. He starts to get the thing. He starts needing to the money. He goes back to the guy. I guess I didn't need the whole million. Then he gave him, I think, 10,000, a nice donation, but not nearly the million. But he was already on his way. But that, right, making the claim you're going to give a ton, a lot, and then not giving a lot. That's a problem, that's part of our lies problem. So a little bit out of order, and I apologize for that. We've got the rest of our list of lies that are making clear that there's lies that create damage. They can create financial, immediate financial damage, they can vent eventual financial damage, they can create psychological damage. The person trusted us and wanted and, and expected something from us and we didn't do it. And then they can create damage just in the fact that that uh, that I that we become people of untruth and we grease our own wheels to tell lies and to not be truthful in the future. And that can also be part of this problem. And I will just point out that Rabbi in the Adam, when he's explaining the words kizavdu, you know, in the Asham the Baganah, where we beat our chest on Yom Kippur and in Slicho, and we say we did the wrong thing, one of them is kizavdu. So what's kizavdu? The then Adam says, based on a verse in Hoshea in the seventh chapter, where Hashem says that they spoke about Hashem, divrei kizavim. So he says, divrei We've spoken falsely, vainly to elit or low to Will we get benefit from it or not? And he throws in that he thinks it's a terrible sin because the verse delium that is the source for our idea in Sota that these people will not greet the divine presence, the verse currently according to the People who speak falsely will not uh, be able to stand before God's presence. So that is a round of uh, the Mediona's list of liars and the things that are wrong with them at their various levels. And God willing, next time, we'll have to start nuancing the picture and finding out places where maybe it's not as extreme or as absolute. I mean, you don't already noticed it should be absolute, and we'll have to pick up on that. But at a starting point, I think it's vital and useful and important to know that that the truth is an important value and not telling the truth. If it's damaging, is worse. And if it's not damaging, it's also bad because of what it does to us and what it does to society around us. So we can hope... As we continue learning this shirim, that we will learn how not to be part of any of these kitot, especially the kitot of shakarim of liars. So next time we'll start picking you up where we might be able to do something that's not quite the truth. Thanks for joining us, and I'll see you next time.